0: Welcome to the Digital Families podcast. I'm Leonie Smith, sometimes known as the Cyber Safety Lady. I'm a cyber safety educator and this podcast is all about learning how to use the digital technology in our homes with more safety and balance. Trolling and cyber hate seem to be escalating in this era of COVID-19, with a growing political divide between people of different views on the pandemic and extreme reactions to how our country's leaders are responding to the waves of infections. Users of social media and the internet are all too well aware how careful we have to be if we join in or start any conversations around masks, testing, or even vaccination. This week, we saw a woman sentenced here on the Northern Beaches for physically assaulting another woman over a COVID argument that started on a Facebook group. Much-loved actress, Magda Zubanski, has been enduring massive abuse and cyber hate on her social media accounts for taking part in a community service promotion in regard to wearing masks and social distancing. Is it getting worse? Who are these people who are sometimes happy to even use their real names to abuse people online? My guest today is Ginger Gorman, award-winning journalist, author, and mentor. In 2013, Ginger and her family suffered the effects of online hate firsthand, and it was this experience that set Ginger on her professional journey into the world of trolls. In 2017, her series of articles on trolling for Fairfax newspapers in Australia went viral and became the most read Australian story of the year. She is now in demand as an expert on online hate and has written and spoken extensively about trolling and social media self-defense in Australian and global contexts. Her first book, Troll Hunting, was published in February, 2019. Ginger, welcome to the Digital Families podcast.
1: Thank you, what an introduction.
0: (laughs) Yes, well just to give some background on all the stuff that you've been involved in. Um, Given that this podcast is aimed towards digital families um, and I'm halfway through reading your book at the moment and understanding how deep and, and complex this issue is. First of all, What is the difference between cyber hate, cyber bullying and trolling?
1: Look, this is a really complicated question, actually. So one of the things that is really confusing in this space is that we don't actually know what any of these words mean. And even if you talk to the world's most dangerous trolls, so for example, I spent Five years embedded with some serious trolls, presidents of big trolling syndicates. None of them agree on what trolling actually is. So these words, cyber hate, cyber bullying, online harassment, flaming, you know, they go on and on and on. And the definitions are very fuzzy. And in fact, with the word trolling, what I came to understand is that it's really used so broadly, it's used in any circumstance where one person winds another person up. So Mm. I came to understand it as a spectrum of behaviour. And at one end, you have mild pranks, and it can be quite funny. In the centre, you have perhaps a bit more aggression. And then at the extreme end, you have what I call predator trolling, which is where one or more individuals sets out to do real life harm about against somebody or somebody's else and that can be psychological harm physical harm or both and those really extreme behaviors that i call predator trolling and cyber hate as well they're linked to really serious crimes like terrorism like murder like incitement to Suicide and so forth. So, we've got to understand that this isn't one behaviour and start differentiating these things in our minds.
0: I think for most parents, if they're aware of um, trolls, they may have seen incidents of it happening within their communities. For instance, if somebody um, dies. Uh, and there's a Facebook page, for instance, set up to commemorate that person and then that page gets attacked. Is that the kind of thing we're talking about?
1: Yeah, so that would be known in the trolling community as RIP trolling and it's a very deliberate attempt to hurt the family and loved members of someone who has died and often the person would have died in quite harrowing circumstances so for example one of the trolls really dangerous psychopathic troll trolls in my book called mark he talked about doing that with the aim of upsetting the family of a young girl who had died by suicide she had in fact died by uh, jumping in front of a train and because that her family was so upset and it was quite a high profile case, all the trolls then jumped onto that. It's very sadistic. And this is the thing that we need to understand. This is not an accidental behaviour. It's very organised. And what the research shows, so the University of Manitoba in Canada and the University of British Columbia did this really amazing paper that I often cite. And what it shows is that Trolling is correlated with what they call the dark tetrad of personality traits. So it's psychopathy, Machiavellianism, narcissism, and sadism. But sadism is the strongest link. And it means that trolls want to hurt and upset you and take pleasure from it. So it's really important to understand that, I think, because once you know that, it gives
0: you a lot of insight into why this is happening. Um, In reading your book, Ginger, I'm getting to the point where we're starting to talk about the, the trolls themselves and why this behaviour is happening. Um, did you conclude that this behaviour was all, always there but it's been amplified by the internet or has the internet amplified it? I mean, it's a really complex
1: question. So statists have always existed in our community, there's no doubt. So people used to send other people hate mail and so forth long before the internet existed. And the kind of embedded misogyny and racism and other kinds of hatred that are often facets of predator trolling, they existed in society a long time before the internet, right? So you cannot blame misogyny on the internet. But I think we do... Need, so we do need to understand that like if it wasn't in our bedrooms and our boardrooms it wouldn't be on the internet that's the first thing but the internet is a particular tool that kind of insists on being used in particular ways and what it has done is allowed the connectivity of people with those views and the rapid amplification and proliferation of those views so if I was a white supremacist with extreme views like the Christchurch killer, I could very quickly find other white supremacists, which he did, mm. and get radicalized further into those views and egged on in those views and encouraged in those views. So it's not the internet's fault, but the internet does encourage certain types of behavior.
0: It also seems to allow people to be isolated more too, because. If you think of times before the internet, being that isolated, and I I was reading about uh, one of the trolls in your book that hadn't really um, come out of his mother's um, basement or room for a long, long time um, because they can keep occupied because they're on the internet and they have a computer and therefore it becomes this sort of vicious cycle of them being isolated, feeling awful for being isolated, people losing that contact with them.
1: Um, so he's an interesting case because he's almost the only one that is alone in his mother's basement in the way that you imagine. Every other child yeah. I uh, formed long-standing relationships was in a syndicate, so in a big international group, much like a bikey gang with presidents and vice presidents and so forth. Um, mm-hmm. Joshua Ryan Goldberg, who you're talking about, is actually yes. a terrorist and he's in jail now in the States for inciting terrorism. So we need to understand how extreme trolling is that's the first thing but yes i think there is something in what you're talking about in the sense of like someone so catastrophically mentally unwell as joshua ryan goldberg was um enabled essentially to be online alone for 30 hours a day would he have been alone in his mum's basement doing something else if the internet didn't exist possibly it's hard to say but yeah it is a peculiar set of circumstances where you can be alone yet connected to other people who are perhaps just as disturbed or just as angry Mm. and wanting to damage others as you are which is really problematic there's something else i want to say though which is that We shouldn't other trolls. I think Mm -hmm. that there's a troll in all of us, actually. And I Mm. often say to people who, when I'm speaking to rooms of people, I often say, who here has not been tempted to be more aggressive online than you would be offline? And every single person in the room will always say, oh, I have. I know I personally have as well. And Mm. the reason for it is, uh, which you would know with your expertise as well, Leonie, the online disinhibition effect so this is where people don't behave like they would in real life they are Mm -hmm. more aggressive because the social contract isn't there Mm -hmm. so i can see you right now we're smiling and nodding at each other i probably wouldn't say to you i wouldn't say this anyway but i wouldn't say i'm going to cut your uterus out and kill your children but people feel (laughs) able to say that to me on the internet they wouldn't say it in the iga because social contract right so there's this kind of thing that happens where it's gamified the social norms don't apply so people are. it
0: happens it's happened before the internet ginger think about driving a car
1: yes that's right so there's it's something the
0: same about- thing people <laughs> drive cars and they get in their cars and turn into mr wheeler yeah, <laughs> when yeah. they're driving a car because and, there's a barrier between us and the other car drivers and they and you know they would never say things or behave like that if they no. if we all had open open cars maybe
1: that's right and one of the things i do quite often on the internet is i deliberately insist that social norms apply so yes. for example I saw someone attacking my friend Lisa Miller when she was very new on presenting ABC News 24. She was just filling in for a while before she took on the gig permanently. And this guy was just calling her a slut and telling her she was wasting our time and all sorts of foul things, completely untrue. And I just got on there and said, hey, Peter, Lisa is a lovely hardworking person and she's very passionate about her work. And I wonder if you met her in the supermarket, would you say that in real life? And he actually stopped it because basically Mm. what I was doing was applying a social norm to his behaviour and that made him realise. So there is um, a degree of work that all of us need to do to keep the internet civil as well, I think.
0: Yeah, there's always a, a case for that. Sometimes it can amplify things and make <laughs> yeah. it worse for the person. And we've seen that happen before where you think, right, I'm going to share all this, um, you know, bad behaviour and this abuse and it can make it worse. And then other times you just happen to hit the right person. And I, th- I think it depends on who you're dealing with. As to- and it's happened to me, Ginger, of course, you know, it's happened to me where I've had somebody who's really horrible said something horrible to me and I've privately and I've known who they are. I wouldn't do it to some totally anonymous, obvious troll and called them on that and actually been quite honest with them. And they've turned around and apologised to me. But it depends on who you're dealing with, doesn't and it?
1: It does. And I never would suggest to anybody that they are responsible for, you know, that, that it isn't their choice. It's your choice is what I'm trying to say. Yes, and, yeah. you know, if you get someone psychopathic like Mark, the troll in my book, he does get people killed. So you don't really know what you're up against a lot of the time. Mm. And uh, you know, there's all sorts of things people tell you to do, but there isn't one-size-fits-all on the internet. That's you, know, right. you can't, and it shouldn't also be up to the victim to fix it. People always ask me this quest, these questions, and I'm sure they ask you too, Leonie. It's like, what should the victim do? And I say, that's a crazy question because it's like expecting a victim of domestic violence to solve the problem. You're not actually responsible for the perpetrator's behaviour It's actually the structures around it that have to keep us safe. As a victim, I shouldn't be responsible for stopping them. And there's not one solution. Like I say to people, if your mental health is bad, sure, step away. Don't feel like you have to get involved. But if you want to, by the same token, if you're a person of colour or a disabled person or any of these marginalised groups that are getting attacked, Don't feel that you have to be silenced by some horrible
0: troll. But having said that, Ginger, in your book, you also talk about the victims and how their lives have been absolutely ruined because of that. And what we know as people that work in this space is how slow the the protections are so when right, we're talking sorry. about domestic violence we're probably a fair way ahead down that that domestic violence track than we are protecting people yes. from this online cyber hate so what happens ginger what happens when someone who, who is being a victim of that actually reports that what is going on now because even within the last year of you having written this book have there been any changes to that yes
1: I mean it's actually had I couldn't have even dreamed first of all that it was going to be so violent and dark the stuff I was writing about but then the impact Mm. has been quite incredible as well so for example there is now draft legislation for an adult cyber abuse scheme I mean Mm. when I very first started writing about this and we got an e-safety commissioner it was actually Mm. a children's e-safety commissioner that's
0: right yeah. And
1: I very first said to Alistair, who was the first commissioner, I said, what are you doing? This has to be adults as well. And he didn't make, he didn't make the position or the legislation, obviously. But the yeah. thing that was so mad to me was that just because you turn 18 doesn't mean you're not going to get harmed or killed because of what happens on the internet. You know, it's ludicrous to think that. We know that people like Charlotte Dawson die by suicide and, and, you know, in her case that was really seriously influenced by that choice by predator trolling. The police internationally, not just in Australia, so I wouldn't want to point the finger have not come to terms with this quickly enough and so almost universally until say a year 18 months ago they were not trained or resourced to deal with this and if Mm -hmm. you went down to the police station and said as an extreme as an extreme cyber hate target i am being trolled you'd kind of get laughed off. They didn't understand that you know how extreme it is. Like, so for example, yeah. the Christchurch killer was actually a predator troll. Um, there's a woman in my book, Sherelle Moody, she's a news corp journalist, and she's an amazing person. She runs the Red Heart campaign, which is a huge campaign against gendered violence. She's an incredible person, but the cyber hate she experiences is so extreme. And in at the time when i was writing my book i just interviewed her for this chapter on misogyny and i got this message for her, from her and she said um someone threatened to kill my horse and then mm. two days later she messaged me and said we found frank the horse dead and so the, her horse was killed and um not long previous to that she her dog had been given acid and the whole inside of the dog's mouth was burned out the dog survived but when people want me to explain how are these two things linked together how is it real life i tell that story because i think it just shows like this is not happening in fairyland this you can get the threat online and then it happens because
0: it's so easy to track people down That's right. So easy, because uh, of everything that we put out on social media, and even if you were a person that didn't put a lot of content out on social media or online, um, trolls are absolutely expert at hunting people's real life work, their homes, their families down from everything, all the data that's already online about us, and they are determined to do that to the point where they might dox you, meaning that all your information goes online and that creates a whole crowd of people. They might recruit somebody who lives nearby or within the same city to come and do you harm or or threaten to or hang outside your house. Um, And, yes, we're seeing this in in domestic violence as well with with people stalking each other. It's no longer, you know, the internet is behind a screen. It's all the one thing now
1: it's quite hard for me to understand why people insist on believing it's a virtual fairyland. Like if I get online now and I go on Woolworths and I order my groceries, they come in real life. If I (laughs) apply for a job, you know, if I apply for a job online, I can get it in real life. So just the same as trolls can post all your details online. They can turn up in real life. Like, you know, when Catherine Devney made those Anzac Day comments that were really controversial, Mm -hmm. just putting aside whether you do or don't agree with it, because I don't think that matters. She was doxxed, all her details were put online and then these creeps turned up extremists in a ute in the middle of the night and smashed on her door and her teenage son answered the door. Now the Victorian counter-terrorism police were amazing in that incident and they did actually handle it really well and they did patrol outside her house and so forth and really keep her safe. But that example as well just shows you this gets real life really fast and yeah. um we as a community certainly i was never taught how to keep myself or my children safe i was never taught through my workplace you know lots of workplaces in, they insist that you're online right yeah. sports people uh you know media types all kinds of professions you have to be on the internet So then it's an occupational health and safety issue. Like when Taylor Harris, the footballer, was so badly predator trolled, she actually said that publicly and I congratulate her because she's right. She's being sexually harassed at work essentially because the internet is her workplace.
0: And I think um, what you were saying is the reason people don't see the real life consequences of the internet is just sheer inexperience with it. So all the parents that I talk to Um, I tell them, you know, about obviously about things that happen in various apps and online platforms and the horror on their face. And it's really because they just use the internet very differently to their kids. Um, And until we know someone personally that's experienced it, um, I mean, Ginger, look at how people are reacting to COVID-19. There's a whole bunch of people out there that don't have a personal connection with it, that just simply don't believe it exists. And as human beings, unless something happens to us personally, often we don't take precautions so in my job at trying to help people to um, keep their families safe and the advice that I give people it's really difficult because we do have that mindset of I don't need to buy insurance nothing's ever going to happen to me it's that human nature to hope that you're going to be okay.
1: And the fact of the matter is you know i don't want to scare the pants off people but i often have these conversations with the safety commissioner julie inman grant and we talk about the fact that lots of child exploitation material is actually being made while the parents are there
0: oh absolutely yeah
1: um kids are on devices and the parents don't know what they are doing you know julie Mm -hmm. was relating to me one of the pieces of material that was sent to her where the child was making um essentially child exploitation material in the bathroom being co- coaxed on by a predator that the child had met online and you could hear the parents in the next room yes So you know we have to be much more vigilant in terms of what are our children doing on their devices do we actually know what apps they're on do we know if the strangers can talk to them on those apps you know what is the realm of their online life? Like mm. the internet is not a babysitter, you know, no. um, and COVID, which you mentioned in your introduction, your fantastic introduction has made everything worse, you know, because mm. we're all at our home online. A lot of us in lockdown, we're online much more than we ever have been. So mm. we are, you know, there's a a much greater exponential demand for child exploitation material. For example, it's gone up 122%, the AFP told me. Um, And so not only are we all online, and that includes predator trolls and people making child exploitation material, the demand is greater for this stuff. And then you've got the added sort of emotion around something like COVID. So we're getting much more fake news around COVID, much more kind of hysteria because our emotions are already heightened. And then you have the fact that predator trolls, and this is in my book, Troll Hunting, they love to jump onto a news story. So they are often looking for something that the community already cares about, there's already heightened emotion on it, and they jump right on there with the fake news and they know they can wind people up more. They know they can create fake news. They know um, that we're all kind of anxious and upset. And it's like the perfect... Storm right now.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, they they're marketing themselves, aren't they? It's like you know, a, a professional marketer who's looking at the at the climate. And today, as we're speaking um, and recording this, um, we had another incident on online today where there was a suicide video that's been shared on all the social media platforms. It was filmed live on Facebook, I believe. Um, and the questions that parents are asking me on um, on my social media feed is who would do this to, talking taking aside the person that that took their life the people that are deliberately sharing it so what initially what happens in these circumstances is that the social media platforms are informed that there is um, a horrific video they then try to take it down everywhere that it's reported they use artificial intelligence then to try and block it from being shared and then people start inserting it into other media and other formats that evade detection until somebody is watching it through and we've seen that happen before with kids videos little pepper pig all of a sudden gets momo stuck in the middle or some suicide video and parents are saying to be ginger who is it that is sharing this and why are they sharing it
1: So I'm going to answer that question, but I first want to go to the culpability of the social media companies. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely.
1: They have created platforms, town squares, where we are coming to grave harm and they Mm. do not fix it. So Mm. the thing is, right, they have the best engineers in the world working for them. They pay billion, uh, so they they avoid billions of dollars of tax, right? And they make money from us all the time, from our data they yeah. have the resources to fix this stuff if they want they don't want to because it interrupts their revenue stream so that's, that's right nice. they don't keep us safe because it doesn't suit them so there has been a uh, suggestion for a long time that for example videos such as this suicide video are delayed all video is delayed live yeah. so mm-hmm. that potentially moderators could intervene
0: Why haven't
1: they done it? Why was the Christchurch shooting streamed live and not taken down for 29 minutes? And by Mm -hmm. which time there were hundreds of thousands of copies because it doesn't suit them. People jump on and watch this stuff. It's like a train wreck. So they are making money from that misery. That's the first thing. You know, they are just getting off the hook and are not being held accountable.
0: Yes. And Mm -hmm. I was
1: hoping in the adult cyber scheme that is coming that they would be held accountable but it seems it's all voluntary and I don't know why our government unlike perhaps the German government is so afraid to legislate against these monolithic giants so that's the first thing the second part though is to directly answer your question so if you think about who trolls are they want to hurt and upset you they are sadists so they take pleasure from that so the idea that you would insert something so horrific into a child's video is actually very normal to me knowing what i know about trolls like they are not normal human beings they want to hurt other people and actually uh, one of the most interesting chapters in my book it was also the most harrowing to write is called the internet was my parent and Mm -hmm. what it is about is about mostly young little boys are completely left alone, so completely abandoned by their parents and brought up by the internet. So they are sitting online, often from really violent, neglectful homes, and they get radicalized into trolling. They sit there from a tiny age, no hugs, no kisses, no one talking to them about their homework, and they are imbibing all kinds of white supremacy you know, all kinds of hatred against other people. And so it was like a revelation to me when I suddenly, the penny dropped, I was like, this is a kind of radicalization, right? So it's no wonder that these tiny boys imbibing this stuff get spat out as predator trolls who wanna hurt people when they're sort of a bit older. I don't think that's amazing that if you're completely unparented, you're completely neglected, you're from a violent, awful, dysfunctional home, you end up doing these behaviors and wanting to lash out and hurt other people. In fact, that's what maybe one of the trolls says in my book, you know. Yeah. I was so angry and so upset at the world. I wanted to
0: go out and hurt other people.
1: So that's So what that I mean.
0: they it's a kind of wanting to matter, isn't it? It's wanting a wanting to, aff- to
1: matter and vengeance. Like I yeah. have been completely cast aside by my community and by my parents and by anyone that should care about me. I'm angry. I've got all these hateful ideologies I'm going to enact this stuff, you know. Um it's devastating, but I think we need to go back as well as a community and think about these little boys, like they're our children. These are our kids in our community who end up doing these things.
0: Yeah, and they're often quite hidden because we've got a we've got a sort of what I call a conspiracy of silence that if you have a child that is lost, has lost themselves into the internet, you may not tell anybody about it because there's a, there's a feeling of, even if you are, you know, not that um, violent sort of parent, we have, I have parents who come to me all the time with these issues where they've got a, it's usually boys that are completely immersed in the internet and they've given up they've basically given up because every day is a struggle to get them off and, and they're being, as you said, influenced by you know, the real dark side of the internet. Um, there's something else that you bring up in your book that I think is really important for people to hear, Ginger, and that is when people give you the response as somebody that has been uh, bullied online or a victim of cyber hate, that um, you, you know problem solved, get off the internet, problem solved, don't share pictures of yourself, problem solved you know um be careful who you talk to what do you say to people that have that kind of attitude
1: okay so the first thing i do especially fine with a room of people i say put up your hand if you can get off the internet you can't so the united nations has rapporteur on information and the media he just recognized internet access as a human right so the thing is we actually cannot survive In modern life, economically, socially, and in all kinds of ways without being on the internet. So it's actually just like peak victim blaming. It's like saying, don't drive your car on the road
0: because you might get killed. And don't what? wear a short skirt walking down the street.
1: Yeah, so it's peak victim. <laughs> but it also does not take into account the nature of predator trolling. Like you don't have to be on the internet to be doxxed and to have your life ruined by it. It, mm. it doesn't matter if I'm on the internet or not. If someone posts my details all over the internet and tell you know and is inciting mm-hmm. that hatred, I can still mm-hmm. have strange men turn up to my house in the middle of the night. Yeah. I can still have my career and my reputation ruined. So it's yes. not actually a function of being on the internet that can make you a target necessarily yeah. either.
0: Absolutely, that's true because I've i <laughs> I know it's true. Um, It's a similar thing to parents when they say to me, my child isn't on a certain app and therefore they're not going to be a victim. And the amount of people that have have contacted me and said, my child wasn't even on that app, whatever it is, Ask FM or Snapchat, and they became a victim on that app because other people shared stuff about them on that app.
1: That's right. So sometimes when you see like um, the teenager Dolly when she died by suicide, Mm. uh, there was a huge petition to shut down that particular app, but that's ludicrous because you'll just get another app popping up five minutes later. Actually, what we need to be teaching is digital resilience and the mechanisms by which to keep kids safe And also the other thing I'm really passionate about is bystander behavior. So I've been writing a lot lately about the way bystanders can intervene in bullying, which is a much more powerful technique than individuals trying to defend themselves. And it's also
0: safer.
1: So, you know, I just would be really cautious in terms of victim blaming, like, it's absolutely crazy to expect people to stay off the internet. And the other thing is that you have to think about who is being targeted. So mostly the the trolls in my group are mainly white supremacist kind of misogynist men. So that is not the only people, they are not the only people that troll, but they are a very powerful cohort of trolls around the Mm -hmm. world. And they are attacking uh, very, very specifically people of colour, women, disabled people, LGBTIQ plus people and all kinds of other groups that they consider to be a threat to their position in the food chain, right? So they are trying to silence particular groups and if you you being the public are then saying okay you stay off the internet or you people being attacked you're effectively reinforcing their idea that you know this should be a white supremacist misogynist bigoted society and these voices don't deserve a place and that is hugely problematic that is not the kind of society that you or me or most people would want
0: no and on that note ginger (laughs) I highly recommend your your book. Thank um you. it, I'm staying up way too late at night <laughs> reading it at the moment, but I, it is it is fascinating and it's um, it it is dark, I have to say that, but it is really fascinating, particularly for me because I've actually come up against some of the, some of the people that you mention in your book and yes. groups of them in my own experience on and, the internet. I know people, you know, when
1: I speak, sometimes in a room, you can see people do this. Oh, yes, deer in the headlights. Well, it's It's so much darker than they think. But I will say Mm. about my book, not to advertise it, but people do say that it does read like a crime thriller. They they did turn the pages. So it's not so dark you're going to get depressed and not be able to cope with it i hope um but it is you know it is it is quite dark it's not it's essential um, reading for anyone
0: that's it's absolutely essential reading for anyone that that that's in this space to put it put it that way and very very important that that parents are aware of the depth of the internet for so many of the of the reasons you've just spoken about
1: Um, can I just warn people though, please don't give it to kids under fifteen. It's not suitable. Like people have got <laughs> nine year old children thinking oh my God. about online thinking har- it's harassment. No. And that you know, it starts out with a high school shooting that is real. So please don't give it to your nine year old and think that that's gonna help them make no. it safe because it's not suitable material.
0: <laughs> good advice there, Ginger. Um I'll put on the uh the post all the links to, to your book you. and, and to all the work that you do. And thank you so much for writing that. I five years of your life. Um and and such a, a huge thing that you did as well. It's just extraordinary. You.
1: And you know what, Leonie, it's so nice to meet you in real life because our expertise has kind of dovetailed over each other for years, but it's beautiful to yeah. actually see
0: you. <laughs> Yeah, it is great. I think the last time I saw you was one at one of the e safety conferences. Yes. probably last year or the year before or something like that. We yes. do. So know, we you do circle around the same people. people.
1: Around each other. Yes.
0: Yeah, it's great being talking to you, Ginger. Thank um, you and all all you. the best. Thank you. Um, thank you very thank much. My arms come on. Bye. Ciao, ciao. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Digital Families podcast. If you like this podcast, please leave us a review or some feedback on YouTube or your favourite podcast app. we would love to hear what you think. Maybe you've got a suggestion for another guest on the show. Tune in again next week for our next chat about all things digital and how it affects families.